Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's uh, get into the Word tonight and then we're going to spend some time in worship later on and see how the Lord leads us. Amen. How many of you were blessed yesterday? By the word, amen. Our church in John Kramer sent in a praise report whilst I, by the leading of the Spirit, asked people to come forward. Uh, two people got healed in the church there instantly. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And tonight, uh, I have the direction of the Lord on how to go uh, in terms of ministry. But we'll get into the word first, and we see how the Lord leads us. Amen. Are you ready to receive tonight? I didn't hear that. Are you ready to receive tonight? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We started our conversation from Romans chapter 4, and we emphasized yesterday that faith takes what grace has made available. And so, whatever I am receiving from God, I am not trying to make God create it, it's already available. Grace has made it available. Now, because grace has made it available, it means I don't need to work for it. I need to believe for it. I'm not working for it, but I'm doing what? I am believing for it. Praise God. Now, that's very important. I am not working for it, but I'm doing what? I'm believing for it. Just like salvation, I'm not working for for my salvation, I'm believing for my salvation. I'm not working for my healing. I'm doing what? Believing for my healing. I'm not working for my prosperity, but I'm doing what? Are you here or you're going home? Are you working for your prosperity or you're believing for it? Are you working for your salvation or you're believing for it? Are you working for your healing or you're believing for it? Because grace has already done the work. And that's very important because many times when people want to receive from the Lord, it's almost like I have to work to get this from the Lord. Now, there are steps of faith, there are actions of faith, but in receiving from the Lord, what you need is believing. We believe to receive by faith what grace has made available. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let me show you something in the Old Testament. Go to Numbers chapter 13. And verse 30. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, an interesting story of when um, God told the children of Israel to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now, when the Lord said they should go into the land of Canaan, it means that grace has made the land of Canaan available. Right? So what do they need to do? 
They need to use faith to do what? To access what grace has made available. Now, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people. You remember the 12 spies were sent and some brought back evil report. Now, evil report is simply an unbelieving report. That's what an evil report is. The Bible calls in the book of Hebrews, he calls it the evil heart of unbelief. You see, what God sees as evil is unbelief. Unbelief is not just simply doubt. It is evil. You know why? Because you are actually denying God the ability to get to work in your life. Now, the Bible says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We shall by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are far too strong for us. Verse 32. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land. A bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying out is a land that divorced its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. You know, evil report will always exaggerate what the enemy is doing. Come on, are you here? Evil report will always exaggerate. If the land divorces its inhabitants, how come you saw men there? Do you know what devour means? Devour means to eat. Huh? So, if, let me say, for instance, I say, this land eats up its inhabitant. How did you now see people there? It means that even if the land eats up its inhabitant, there are some people that are not eatable. That the land couldn't eat. So, so you see, Satan will always exaggerate things. Doubt will always make things bigger than they seem. You know, things might not be as bad as they are reported. You see, but the enemy will just make sure the report is that bad so that it will sow fear into your heart. And that's why you have to be careful what you listen to. And you have to be careful what you discourse. Praise the name of the Lord. Now go to Numbers 14, next verse. Look at verse 6. Numbers chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. In fact, in verse 4, they said, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. That's what the children of Israel said. And God had told them, I'm taking you to the land of Canaan. They doubted the ability of God. And I said this yesterday and I'll repeat it again. Not everything God desires for you will come to pass in your life if you don't have faith to believe for it. Not everything. Your life will go in the direction of what you believe. Your life will go in the direction of what? What you believe. What you are experiencing now in your life is not what is happening. It's what you're believing. That is why two people can be in the same church and have two different experiences. Two people can go for the same meeting and have two different experiences. Two people can be in the same nation and have two different experiences. Because your experience is brought to you by what you believe. Are you still here? Now, go to verse 6. <clears throat> then Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jophan and of those who aspired out the land tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land 
which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. The, the question I want to say is this. Is it the same land these, two, these people saw? Look at what Joshua said. He says the land we saw, it's a good land. Right? Verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, and that's what grace is, unmerited favor. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey, their protection. That's why I want to read, that's why I want to uh, read this tonight. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I want you to see the perspective with which Joshua and Caleb saw the land. He says, listen, even though these people look like giants, he says their protection has been removed from them. That means God is pleased with us. He has gone ahead of us. All we need to do is to take possession of it by faith. Their protection has gone off from them. So, Whatever God promises you, grace has made it available. You can stand on this side of Jordan and feel like, I can't get into Canaan. That land is a giant. I can't prosper. I can't have my baby. I can't have a good marriage. And all of those things. And listen, if you would press on in faith, and that's what we sang tonight. We've got the victory living on the inside of us. We don't despair, but we press on in faith. Everything God has for you in your future, grace has already made it available. Are you following this now? You can look at it from this side and feel like, I cannot. People might give you a bad report about the nation. People might give you a bad report about finances. People may give you a bad report about your health. But you don't listen to those reports. Because those are bad reports of what grace has already made available. You look at your future and you know there's no way you're going down. With God on your side, victory is assured. Praise the name of the Lord. So we must understand that whatever God promises us in his word, grace has already made available. Everybody say grace, grace. has already made available whatever God has promised me. Do you believe that? Grace has already made it available. So we go ahead and we receive it by faith. We go ahead and we lay hold on it by faith. Now let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Go back to the story of Abraham and verse, let's, let's see Romans chapter 4 now and verse um, 13. Or let's start reading from verse 16. We, we, we dealt with that yesterday. For this reason it is by faith in order that it might be according accordance with grace so that the promise will be guaranteed. To all the descendants, not only to those who are of the Lord, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, the Bible talks about the faith of Abraham, and that's what we're looking at. It's the faith that was fully persuaded. It's the faith that was fully persuaded, fully convinced of what God had promised. I, I want to repeat this statement again, and don't forget it. Your life will go in the direction of your belief system. Your ministry will go in the direction of your belief system. Your destiny will go in the direction of your belief system. That's why for the child of God, what you believe is important. 
And you shouldn't believe anything except God's word. You shouldn't build your life on anything except the word of God. Are you here? Say amen if you're here. Okay, so let's read. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. Now pay attention to this. It says, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed. Remember, the scripture says, he that comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The first thing about faith is to believe in God. It might might seem simple, but not many Christians believe in God. Not many Christians actually have faith in God. They've got faith in other things except God. But in the presence of whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, we talked about this yesterday, God gives life to the dead and calls into being. Follow that. Calls into being that which does not exist. So two things we observe about God is that God gives life to the dead. That means, if something is dead with God, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. Oh, my business is dead. That's not a problem. Oh, my whatever is dead. That's not a problem. Oh, they say my kidneys aren't functioning anymore. That's not a problem. Why? Because God gives life to the dead. He specializes in giving life to the dead. You know, many people cannot believe that God's going to heal them, but they believe that when the rapture happens, God is going to raise them. And it's very funny how people don't... You know, I've always told people this, right? Sometimes we try to use our faith to believe for very esoteric and very um, big things that look very big, and we can't use our faith for simple things. And I'll tell you something. If you can't use your faith to believe for simple things, how would you actually use your faith to believe for those big things? And that's why the child of God needs to feed on who God is. You need to know God. You need to study about God. You need to read about God. Not just hearing about God, but knowing Him. The, The more of God you know, the more faith will be built up in your heart. Some of us don't know God. We don't know what He can do. We've just read about it and it just looked like stories. And that's why the saints in the Old Testament, they had such an unwavering confidence in God. Daniel had such an unwavering confidence in God. Do you think if you were to be thrown into the lion's den, you would be alive to be thrown into the lion's den? Do you think so? Some of you wouldn't even want to be thrown into a dog's den, not to talk of a lion's den. And imagining uh, the king heats up the fire and you say, you know what, if God doesn't even deliver us, we're going to go into that fire. What gave them this unwavering condition? They've seen God do things. These guys woke up seeing God part the Red Sea. They've heard stories of the work of God. Many times we're feeding on the bad stuff happening instead of feeding on what God has done. Hallelujah. It says, God calls into being that which does not exist. It shows us how God creates. It shows us how God works. When there was darkness on the earth, what did God do? What did he do? He created light, right? How did God create light? He did what? 
He spoke words. Did God use his words to describe the darkness? What do you think we use our words to do? Hey, come on church. What do you think we use our words to do? Even in prayer, we describe the darkness to God. We're not praying. We're describing it to God because God is, because God does not actually live in Nigeria. He does not understand. So we tell him, oh God, if you were here, you will know, but you are not here and you don't know. <laughs> and then we go ahead and describe the problem. Describe how big. Then we now end up, we say, you know, I don't have anyone to help me. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. So what have you done? You've just described the problem. That's not how God thinks. God uses words on purpose. Pay very close attention to this. God uses words on purpose. Two things God uses words for. It's to give life to the dead or to call the things that be not as though they were. If you want to have a God experience in your life, learn to use your words for those two things. Anything that is dead in your life, eject life into it by your words. And what you desire, start calling it into existence what is not there. Don't use your words to describe darkness. Don't use your words to describe death. Use your words to eject life and use your words to call those things that be not as though they exist. You know, many of us, because we don't keep our words, we don't have faith in our own words. And let me tell you, if you lie a lot, if you lie a lot, or you say things you don't mean a lot, you'll not be able to walk the faith life. Because you also don't believe in your words. So by nature, since you don't believe in your own words, you will not even trust God to believe in their words. Let me tell you, people who lie a lot think other people are lying. I know it's not you, but somebody close to you. People who lie a lot, do, do what? They always think somebody else is lying. Because, because they lie a lot, they don't have faith in their own words. And so when somebody tells them something, they say, I think he's lying. No. Say, what, how do you think he's lying? So I was just looking at the eye. You know if somebody's lying, this left eye will be looking like this. I mean, they'll just look. So when they read the Bible, they also feel God's left eye is like this. God says, I will supply all your needs. Say, I'm not sure. Because it's in Philippians. God's left eye is like this. And let me tell you, that's why you have to build integrity in your own life. Because if you don't have integrity in your own life, you will doubt God's integrity. Are you following this? Are you following this? So God calls those things that be not as though they were. That's how God speaks. That's how God communicates. And that must become the way we talk. You call your life prosperous. He says, when men say there's a casting down, you should say there is a lifting up. What are you doing? You are ejecting life into that casting down and you are calling those things that be not as though they were. And that is why you have to train people around you to learn the language of faith. We are not denying the circumstance. We are recreating the circumstance. We're not denying that sickness is not our body. It is not in our body. But we are recreating healing. We are calling that healing into existence. Are you following this now? Now, verse 18. It says, In hope, against hope, he believed. 
so that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which have been spoken. So this is it. God speaks to Abraham, comes to Abraham and says, you'll be a father of many nations. What's your name? And he says, my name is Abraham or Abraham. And God says, no, your name shall be Abraham. The word hitch there, the harm, is taken from God's name, Yahweh. It's part of a covenant that Abraham got in connection with God. But we're not dealing with that today. And Abraham changes his name. Sarai changes her name to Sarah. Right? And every time these two people look at themselves with no child, pay close attention to this, with no child, what happens? They call themselves father of nations. So what do you think they are doing every day? Come on, talk to me. What do you think they are doing every day? They are calling what is not into existence. What is the easiest way for God to make them do that? To change their name? To change their name? So every day that Sarah looks at Abraham, he calls him father of nations. But you see where the flesh gets in. And that's one thing I want you to learn today about grace. Whatever God has promised you, don't try to bring it to pass with your own hands. So Sarah says, God, it's like God promised you that you're going to travel to the nations as a pastor. Then you go into people's inbox and you start begging for invitations. That is giving birth to Ishmael. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God has said, I will do this in your life. Then I say, God, as you have promised, now it's okay, just relax. We will make it come to pass. Don't do that. So Sarah could not wait. So it suggested to Abraham. And then he gave birth to Ishmael. And I like God. By the time they are done with Ishmael, God said to Abraham, it's the seed that will come out of you that I promise, not Ishmael. That is why all the things you try to arrange in your life, when you are done, God will still speak to you about the things he's been speaking to you about because it wasn't God that sent you on that errand. That is why one of the most foundations of faith is patience. A man that is impatient cannot walk by faith. Because once you start believing, the next thing you start looking at is, Abraham, when are you giving birth? Abraham, when are you giving birth? And that anxiety pushes you into doing things you shouldn't do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, a man of faith must learn patience. Praise God. You must learn what? Patience. It is through patience you inherit the promise. Because one of the things the enemy tries to do in your life is to wear you out. Is to make it look like the promises of God are not coming to pass. Is to make your, the, your situation look contrary to everything God has promised you. God has promised you that you'll be wealthy. God has promised you prosperity. But you're struggling to eat. How do you navigate that? Those are the times you feed on the promises of God. Let's read that verse again. Verse, seven, verse 18. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become. So it is your believing that makes you become. Everybody say, my believing. believing. Say one more time. Say, my believing believing. makes me become. Say one more time. Say, my believing believing. makes me become. So God promises you that you are a father of many nations. Then you have to believe that. And in believing that, you become what he has spoken. 
That is why believing is of the heart. Believing is of the heart. <laughs> and what is in your heart is what will come out of your mouth. Many people claim to believe in God, but when they speak, you will know that they don't believe in God. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How do you get to the point of speaking the right words? It's what's in your heart. What are you feeding your heart? Saints, you can recreate your life. You can recreate your future. You can recreate your experiences. You know, sometimes you talk to some people and all they're talking about is what they've been through in life. All they're talking about is what somebody did to them 20 years ago. All they've been through, all they talk about is the abuse they've been through. All they talk about is the old man that God saved them from that they always rehearse. Even when you tell them to do something, they don't feel qualified because of what happened 24 years ago. What happened 24 years ago is stronger in their heart than what Jesus did for them when they get born again. Do you know that Paul came and says, I've wronged no man? How can Paul say he's wronged no man? Paul? You can't say that. And there were people in that church who probably Paul killed their father. And here was Paul standing in Faith conference and said, I've wronged no man. I mean, you are almost tempted to like, hey, what about my father, John Boo? Who killed him? You see, Paul was not relating to that old man anymore because that old man was dead. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you need your faith to be up, you need to stop relating to your past and start relating to your future. Some of us are so much in love with our past. Oh, can you read this poem? No, I can't. You know, when I was more years old, my father slapped my two mouths and said, you cannot read. And you're 35 years. When will you live past what your father did to you and embrace what Jesus did for you? Hallelujah. Some of us are so heartbroken, we can't love again. Why? Because of what somebody did to us 17 years ago when we were in secondary school. In SS2B. <laughs> so strong in your mind. That's why your greatest tool of advancement is renewing your mind according to the word of God. You are not what men says that you are. You are not what men have done to you. You are not even what you have done to yourself. He that is in Christ is a new creation. And all things has passed away. And all things have become new. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you need to see the new you. And people around you might not believe that's their problem. They are not your God. Hallelujah. So we have to believe to become. Everybody say, I have to believe to become. Whatever God speaks to you, you've got to believe. And that believing starts in your heart. Let's look at what now happened to Sarah. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Somebody learning something tonight? Is your faith getting higher and higher and higher and higher? Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, the word of God should make you more excited. I remember years ago when we got married. (laughs) One day I ran out of the room. And I was shouting and running in the parlor. My wife said, what happened? I said, you married a rich man. You know, there are certain times the reality of God's word will be so strong in my heart. There was nothing physical, but the revelation has hit my spirit. I cannot be poor anymore. Are you hearing this? When you see certain promises of God to you, it should make you rejoice. 
Because your faith has lashed a hold of them already. You know that there's no other direction your life can go but this way. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Lord. You know, I used to do that a lot in those days. In my own room, listening to messages, faith will come up in my heart. I will run around. I will rejoice. I would scream. I would believe. I will shout. What was happening? Getting my heart to believe. Getting my heart to believe. Because everything around me did not look like it was going to come to pass. Everything around me did not look like there was a future. With faith in God's word, you can recreate your life. And, and I'm so glad because I tell myself all the time, if I see God do it in the life of someone, that means it's possible for God to still work at it in my life. You know, it's not like if God blesses all of us, heaven's light will go out. You know, some people say, if all of us are rich, who will be poor? Well, let's be rich first, then we'll just be concerned about who becomes poor. (laughs) Don't feel like if all of us get healed, then God will be asking for extra power. Say, hey, hey, bring bring small healing back. We don't have enough here. No, you know, our scarcity mindset on the earth, sometimes we think of God like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us just feel like, you know, God... (sighs) Well, let's read Hebrews 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. Where did this ability come from? Where did Sarah, the the king, I like the, the New King James Version. It says she received strength. That means the strength with which Sarah conceived was not a natural strength. It didn't come from multivitamins. Nothing wrong with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There was nothing in the natural. Because the Bible tells us that Abraham was not weak in faith. When he considered the deadness of his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Sarah's womb was dead. Was gone. But God said you're going to have a child. So how are you going to have a child? Where are you going to get the strength for this child from? Which womb will this child live in? Who's going to give Abraham energy to perform his task? Everything has to be by faith. So that means in that promise is the strength. Through faith also, Sarah has received strength to conceive seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past age. You know, some of you feel you're too old for certain things to happen in your life. Draw an example from Sarah. And that's why some of you get very anxious, especially when you, when you want to marry. Because you start looking at the calendar, you start looking at what the doctor says, you start looking at, and then all of those things happen, you start calculating. By the time you plot your own graph, you have failed. Let's say, I'm 35. If I marry at 37 and I give birth at no do, no do, no do, no do, no do, <laughs> 39. When I am 40, my first child will be 6. When I'm 50, almost dying, my child will be in primary 3. Ah, 
You, by the time you plot your graph, depression hits you because from your calculation, <laughs> from your calculation, you are gone. You just realize, oh, so my husband will be a widow at. I, I mean, you, you have, you have, you plot your life graph and you are done, and depression hits you. And you know, you can't explain it to anybody because nobody will explain, understand that graph. So they say, what's wrong with you? Say nothing. Then you now have all those carnal friends around you. A problem half shared is half solved. Then you now say, okay, since you insist. You now sit them down and introduce the graph to them. When your own friend sees himself in that graph, say, ah, your own even better. For me, less. And then, and then they turn the graph say, for me, ah, no, 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 no. And both of you now start, you know, you now form a congregation of depressed believers. Who says your life is over? What time are you looking at? God can steal time for your sake. God can cause impossible things to happen for your sake. See, God, whatever God promised you, you can hit it at 50. Whatever God promised you, you can hit it at 60. The scripture says, when the Lord turned our dream, we turned our captivity, we were like them that dream. Is there somebody in this house today that God is about to turn their captivity? And you will look back and say, see what the Lord has done. What we have been waiting for has come to pass. Somebody shout amen. You don't look at the natural time because God gives life to the dead. God gives life to the dead. Stop all those plotting of graph. Stop it. You know, one thing I like about prosperity is that by the time God prospers you, you now discover that all the things you thought took a lot of time to do does not take a lot of time. Even to build a house. It's because you were used to certain people who built house from a struggling perspective. That's why they were buying one block of cement, one bag of cement, one wheelbarrow of sand, one truck of gravel. You know, when you grow up in that mindset, you have already calculated that your house will take you 10 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you can also know that a time can come in your life where you can buy a house. Do you understand? So don't calculate your life from a poverty spectrum. I know you went through a lot. Your father went through a lot. You know, some of you are in a place where you're saving to buy a car. You pay for the window first. Then, you know, you now, you now pay for the dashboard. You now, and you're used to that. So, you always feel that life has to go in that way. No. No. It doesn't always have to go that way. I said it doesn't always have to go that way. Scripture says, can a nation be born in a day? Of course. Of course. So how did Sarah receive strength to conceive? Look at it. The answer is right there. It says what? Because she judged what? Him what? Faithful who had promised. That's the key there. Do you judge God faithful in your life? What what does the word faithful mean? It means fidelity. It means that whatever this person says, he will do. See, Judging God faithful comes from knowing God. Are you here? It comes from knowing. Do you judge God faithful? He says because she judged God faithful, she received strength to conceive. So the strength Sarah received was from her judgment of God. And you know what the word judgment means, right? You cannot pass judgment without, what is it called now? 
uh, witnesses, evidence, facts, right? Right? You know, if I want to judge something, what will I say? I'll take fact, take this, consider, do everything that I'm, I know to affect that course. And then I'll say, no, this is my judgment. Sarah judged God faithful. What's your judgment of God? What God had promised you? What do you think this God to be? Do you actually think that God can rewrite your story? Do you judge him faithful to keep his word? The children of Israel didn't judge God faithful to bring them to the land. They felt if we get into the land, these guys are going to kill us. They didn't judge God faithful. Many times we are not fully persuaded because we don't judge God faithful. We think that the God who called us cannot bring his word to pass. And we've got to deal with that. Because like I always say, these are the days we sit in church and people teach us how powerful the devil is and how less powerful God is. Some of us feed on generational curses and the Lord gave me some liberty to minister along that line tonight. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to lay hands on some of you who feel that you're under curses or something. I'll just get you free. Some of those curses are real. You find certain traces in your family. But the truth of the matter is that God's word is more real. I said the truth of the matter is that God's word is more real. I said the truth of the matter is that God's word is more real. See, what I'm teaching you tonight will change your life. It will set your life on a course of progress. It will make you independent of men. I'm telling you the truth. You would have a confidence that can only be birthed by the word of God. You know that God and yourself, you are working something out in your life that will bring praise and glory to his name. Come on, are you still here? Do you judge God faithful? Do you judge God faithful? What is it that God had promised you? It says, true faith also. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. So the strength that Sarah received to conceive seed came from her judgment of God and that infused strength into her life. That strength was not from medicine. That strength was not from a natural place. It came from God. When you believe what God has said, a supernatural strength comes into your life to make that happen. And that's the grace. Grace will begin to attend to your life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Let me tell you something tonight. No word from God is void of grace. No promise of God is void of grace. Every word that, that, that God speaks to you has grace in it. To come to pass. Say, blessed is she that believe it. For there shall be what? A performance of those things that were spoken. Many times, we feed ourselves the wrong things. We don't feed ourselves about the strength of God. We don't fe- and that's why the, the, the Lord told the children of Israel, He says, when everything happens to you, He says, put this as a memorial, so that when your children ask you, you will tell them what the Lord has done. Testimonies, your personal testimonies, are weapons of victory. You remember when David ran to Goliath? What did he say? He says, God who delivered me. Deliver the lion and the bear will deliver me into your hands. And you know what happened? David ran to Goliath with his mouth open. 
He told Goliath what he was going to do to him. He says, I'm going to cut your head. I'm going to feed your head to the flesh. You can't run to the giants with your mouth closed. Say something. Learn to say something about your life. Don't say what the enemy is putting in your mind. Don't say what circumstances is putting in your mind. Open your mouth and say how your life is going to look like. Open your mouth and say how your children are going to turn out. Open your mouth and say how your ministry is going to turn out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't run to the giants with your mouth closed. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Let me show you something here. Glory, glory to the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. What did God say? Then God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. God saw darkness. He spoke light. He saw darkness. He spoke light. It's not what you see that you speak. It's what you want to see. I repeat that again. It's not what you're seeing now that you should speak. It is what you want to see. So the question I'll ask you is, what do you want to see in your life? Well, go ahead, take the promises of God. These are pictures of your future and you must learn to constantly speak them. You must learn to constantly declare them. Glory to the name of the Lord. Put yourself on a faith diet. Get a hold of God's word. Learn to speak the word of God. And don't just speak it out of, they say we should confess positive. What will I, hey, I am here though, even though I'm feeling paid. They say we should say I'm here. What will I say? I mean, you're not fully persuaded. Are you hearing this? You know, some people do the faith confession out of obligation. Or some people do it out of positive speaking. No. You get to a point in your life where nothing, where nothing can come out of your mouth except faith words. You are so saturated with the word of God. You are so saturated with the promises of God. That when you look at your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Faith words are what comes out. Let me tell you. Don't joke with this message. You can use it to rewrite the script of your life. You can use it to rewrite the script of your business. You can use it to rewrite the script of your ministry. You can get a hold of God's word and begin to walk your way with the word of God. Walk your way from lack into prosperity. Walk your way from sickness into health. Walk your way from insignificance into significance by the word of faith. You start looking at your life and say, light be. Every time you look at your life, you say, light be. You talk yourself out of that one room apartment. You talk yourself out of that struggling condition. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you need to have a faith partner. Somebody that believes like you do. Somebody that talks like you do. Somebody that agrees like you do. Praise the name of the Lord. By faith she received strength. That strength came from the supernatural. And she accessed that strength by faith. Go to Hebrews 11 again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. There are things in your life right now that people say it's past. Oh, you can't get this again. Well, if Sarah could get a baby when she was past the age, 
then nothing is really past. We can receive strength to conceive that miracle. I didn't hear an amen. I said we can receive strength to conceive that miracle. We can receive strength to conceive that miracle. Nothing is past in our life. You know, there's no dead end with God. There's no forgotten story with God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability. I like, I, like, I like the word ability in the New American Standard Bible. Ability to conceive. Ability to conceive. So if you are here and you're trusting God for the fruit of the womb, well, this is a good scripture for you because ability to conceive can come from the supernatural. I said ability to conceive can come from the supernatural. Oh, well, it said, uh, my husband's sperm count is low. Well, there is ability to boost sperm in the word of God. You just have to find the scripture and believe it. And I know but that's your problem. Take away the but. Change it with belief. Don't give an excuse why the word of God will not work. Are you hearing this? Oh, don't give an excuse why the word of God will not work. Stretch your faith. Believe God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, doctors are doing the same job that we're doing. Getting people healed. They do it through tablets and injections. How many of you like injections? How many of you start crying? You know the you know the thing that, that makes me you know the thing that makes me laugh when they are giving injections is that first <laughs> that first one that they do the bottle then press it I show you like <laughs> you know by the time I see that I know some some doctors are very mean they won't do it smiling they'll just be like you are dead today you came to my office. <laughs> One day, I don't remember, a long time ago, I wasn't feeling well, and uh, they gave me some medicine. So the doctor said, but well, that is eight hours or something. So, you know, by the time you calculate that time, sometimes around 11 in the night or 12 or something. So I set an alarm and woke up to take the medicine. You know, as I was going to take the medicine, the Spirit of God spoke on the inside of me. He said, now that the doctor have given you time to take this medicine, you set, you set an alarm to wake up to take it. How many times have you set an alarm to study God's word? You know, there's a way God will speak to you. Even you, you will know that you are not trying. <laughs> I didn't take the medicine again. I got healed. That rebuke healed me completely. But you see how diligent we attend to the words of the doctor. What about if we're diligent with God's word like that? You know, there are some people right now, I'm, I'm teaching and they're not paying attention. But you know, if they go and sit down in the doctor's office, no, they will, they will, they will be attentive to what the doctor is saying. Even if their child is disturbing it, they keep quiet. I say, doctor, do you understand that? Because they feel that the words of this doctor are spirit and life. What about if you give God's word that attention? You know, as I'm teaching right now, some people are getting healed without me laying hands on them. The Bible says, as, a, the, 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 as Jesus was teaching, the power of the Lord was present to heal. There is as much anointing as you can receive available in my life for you. You know, God does not put an anointing in a man for himself. He puts an anointing in a man for others. That's why if I need to get healed, I need to use my faith. I don't use the anointing of my life to get myself healed. Because the anointing is not for me necessarily. 
Are you following this? That's why when the word of God is coming forth, you know that God is about recreating destinies. That's why three people can go to a conference and one person's life is changed. It's about belief. It's about faith. It's about expectation. It's the same thing with the word of God. We can all have the Bible and we can choose that our lives are going to be different by the word of God. And some people don't even feel like, what are you saying? Let's read the next verse. And we'll just see how the Holy Ghost leads us here. Thank you, Father. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead, at that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven. This man was as good as dead, but out of him a family came forth. Hallelujah. Saints, we can allow the condition of this nation to shut our lives down. Glory to the name of the Lord. You see your life the way it is right now? You can, re, you can reshape it. Sin doesn't need to have dominion over you. Wrong habits doesn't need to have dominion over you. With faith in God, you can walk in that righteousness consciousness. And you can be available for the Lord to use. Faith in God will change any circumstance. Faith in God will change any circumstance. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You take the word of God. You feed on it. And as you feed on it, you are receiving strength. The word of God is intelligent. It knows what to do. It knows where to speak to you about. It knows who to call. It knows who to put in your path. He knows what book to lead you to. Let's trust the word. Let's believe the word. Let's become a people of faith again. Let's not live in doubt and unbelief. If the Lord tells us we're going to Canaan, regardless of the giants we see in Canaan, let's know that we can inherit the promise. And I like what Caleb said. 40 years after, Caleb says, this mountain, God promised me. I'm 80 years old now, and I'm ready to possess the mountain. See, those are the kind of people that God needs. God doesn't need people who are weakly lead, right? Always depressed, always without joy, always sad. Always complaining, always murmuring. No. You can live in faith that, that way. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I said the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you need to maintain your joy. Because with your joy, you can receive answers to prayers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know... Everything that God will give to you will be a promise. You have to believe that promise. Remember the phone example I used yesterday? Yeah. Everything God will tell you. So you can be in that one room and God says, I'll make you great. When God tells you, I'll make you great, don't look out of the window and ask, what is God going to use? You know, because if you look out of the window, you are going to see a cat. No, that's not what to look at. When God says he's going to make you great, what do you look at? Look at the word. And you know that God calls those things that be not as though they were. And God does word. Gives life to the dead. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. I sense a strong anointing of the Lord upon this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. One of the one of the, the open visions the Lord gave me this afternoon while, while, while praying, and I'm going to start ministering to those people. And let me tell you what happens when we have a moment like this. Just pray in tongues. Just pray in the spirit. You don't you don't need to, you don't need to watch what is going on. Uh, just pray in the spirit. Just just allow the Lord. Let's flow in the Holy Ghost. All right, there's a move of the spirit that will be lost to a generation if you are not taught and walk into it. Sometimes the Lord will give me a word of knowledge. Sometimes the Lord will lead me to minister to you, but we just flow. We just flow. But one of the things that the Lord told me was the fact that if you are in this place, if you're in this meeting today, tonight, and you, you feel a certain pattern in your family, right? You just feel like, I, I think there's a curse in my family. I, I've seen the reality walk, walk out in the life of my brothers or something or something or something. And, and you just feel that or you feel a certain stagnation or you feel certain things that are just generational playing out in your life, not in the right way. I want you to come. I'll lay my hands on you. That, that curse will be broken. I know there are people here because the Lord told me about that. And so you just feel that. You just feel that. You don't need to look at who is watching you. You, you just feel that. Then I, I'd like you to come. And if you're in a JK church also, you can just come to the front. Just sing something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to walk around the crowd and just minister. Because I sense the Lord will operate through the gift of the word of knowledge. Is there anyone here like that? I want to pray for. I know there are people here because the Lord told me about that. So I'm going to lay my hands on you and that, pa- that curse is going to be broken. There is the blood of Jesus Christ. There is power of so you have to agree when my hands come upon you that curse will be broken that curse will be broken come on church while you are there, just sing, just pray, just worship. I sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. Thank you, Lord. There is power in the blood. Oh, is going to be broken where hands are laid. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.